Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So we're talking today about family goals. Now, one of the things that the, the core of the family, and I would even say this, the core of a nation is really boils down to the relationship between three people. The relationship between a husband, his wife, and Jesus. This is the core of a culture. A healthy culture must have that relationship intact. And really, the breakdown that what we've seen in our nation, what we've seen in the world, the breakdown of morality in the world can usually, not always, but usually be found in the home, right? Usually where there's poverty, usually where there's violence, usually there's some sort of breakdown in the home. There was a breakdown of the way a child was raised, right? And so, and a lot of times that stems from a poor marriage. And so today we're going to talk about marriage. Now, I know some of you, you aren't married, but you probably want to be someday, right? So I'm going to offer some things for you, and, uh, and hopefully this will help even if you're not married today, and then we're going to, we're going to minister a little bit uh, to marriages. Y'all good? All right. Now, first of all, listen, you have to have an intentional vision for your marriage, Right, we talked about that before uh, on week one. That man, you've got to live with purpose. If your if your relationship, if your marriage, if you don't have a vision for that, then it, where it's at now is as far as it's ever going to go. And a lot of times, people lose that. For, they don't want greater things for their marriage, or they're so insecure that they say, "Our marriage is good. We don't need to make any improvements." How many know that we always need to be improving? Come on. And, and one of the problems that I see in marriage a lot of times is, is the spouse feels like it's their job to improve the other one, especially through instruction. How many of y'all ever experienced that before? Married people. It's okay to say, man, you're out. We're going to laugh together today. I feel like there's like tension in the room. People are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's the fog. It's the fog. So I, I want to caution you, however, we live in a very Photoshopped world right? We live in a culture that, that, you know, for instance, Leslie and I like this show called Fixer Upper. You guys ever watch that show? It's a great show. And so it's, you know, Chip and Joanne Gaines and they, they, you know, they're both like pretty good looking people and they're, they, you know, he's like the manly man and he's goofy and he's funny and she's like super classy and she can decorate and, you know, their makeup's always done just right. And, you know, they're raising their kids on their farm, you know, no, no money problems. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You get, you don't get the rough cut. You don't, you don't get when, when the cameras aren't there. You don't get when the makeup's not on and the clothes aren't there. And so what we do is we judge our marriage by a 30-minute segment on TV of what marriage is supposed to look like, right? You know, it, it's just like the show. They're building these houses, right? You don't see, you're not there whenever they're dealing with all the problems and the stresses of getting this house to look the way it is. And so a lot of times we live in this, you know, everybody's just showing their highlight reel on television or on social media, and we're comparing our marriage, or we're setting that as a goal, and then we realize that we fall short all the time. Or we have Disney portraying all these fairy tales of this guy who's like perfect and doesn't burp or fart ever. Come on, never scratches his rear or his other parts. And, and so he's just so dreamy and he knows all the right things to say. Or you have this romance that we see when we pay all this money to go to the theaters and the, guy, the guys are sitting back going, well, I might as well go ahead and give up now because I'll never meet that standard. Right? 
Or the girl has had a physical, has been in physical training for like four years, right? And then they go in and they Photoshop all the blemishes on her body. Come on. Or on her face. So, the, and, and what we do is we compare, let's just be real, our spouse to this person or our marriage to this image that society has, has painted. I want to caution you. That is not the goal. That is not what God has intended for your marriage. Um, let me say this. Any love, and some of y'all are going to disagree with this, and I don't really care. Any love that is not Christ-centered is polluted. Any love that does not have God at the core is a polluted love because God is love. And without God, you can't have the purest of love. So don't take all this Hollywood fantasy, novel-written romance stuff, all this fantasy world, and make that the goal. Make a godly marriage your goal. And remember that. Remember that as you move forward in your marriage. Don't compare yourself to the highlight reel. You know, it's funny. They're always in a good mood. You know, they're never, you know, their kids are always behaving, right? The cookies are, you know, it's funny. They have like the cookies there and they don't show the mess to make the cookies or the pain in the rear it is to clean it up. Come on. And so this is the picture that we have and we live, we think, oh man, one day we'll have all these things. But the good news is this, is that marriage has a purpose. You know, I do a lot of weddings. I love doing weddings. It's one of my favorite things I get to do in the ministry. Hopefully, I'll get to do a lot of your weddings. I love doing weddings. They're so fun. And one of the things that I always say is that God puts couples together on purpose and for a purpose. And so if you're married today, it wasn't by accident. It was the plan of God. God knew, and he put you together not just so you could be fulfilled, but so that you can accomplish his purposes on the earth. Because marriage has a purpose, and marriage's purpose, listen, has always been to fulfill God's purpose. Y'all okay? So God puts you together on purpose for purpose. So God takes man and sets him in a garden, remember? With what? A purpose, a mandate. And then he said, it's good that he has a purpose, and his mandate is awesome, but I'll tell you what's not good. The first thing that God said wasn't good is Genesis 2.18. God says this, it's not good that man is alone. So God creates all these things. He says, it's good, it's good, it's awesome, I love it, I love it, I love it. And then he sees the man who put the purpose in, and he said, it's not good that he's alone. Let me create someone perfect for him to be his helper on the earth. Isn't it interesting? How many of you would ring true with that? It is not good that man is alone. Single men in the house. Single ladies in the house. Yes, I agree. It's not good that I'm alone. I, I want to urge you in this to understand that purpose, just as we talked about in week one, purpose is not about you. It's not about you. God's purposes, his plans are not about you. He wrote the story and he plugged you in it. Are y'all okay? Um, marriage, the purpose of marriage is not to complete you. Huh? Or to make you happy. Listen, making you happy and completing you or fulfilling you is a byproduct. Never ever say, follower of Christ, never say, they complete me. They don't complete you. Christ completes you. If you're, listen, if you were looking for fulfillment in a marriage... If you're looking for marriage to be your source of fulfillment, then get ready for an exhausting relationship. Because people, regardless of how beautiful she is, regardless of how great she is, when she wakes up in the morning, her breath is going to stank. 
For real. If you want to be exhausted for the rest of your life, then look in fulfillment with your spouse. You won't find fulfillment there. You will only find your fulfillment in Christ. Now, happiness is a byproduct of that. When you can find your fulfillment in Christ, joy comes. Come on. Your marriage will be fruitful. All these things will happen if you put Jesus first. Fulfillment comes, and we talked about this in week one, I'm most fulfilled when I'm fulfilling his purposes. I am most fulfilled when I'm fulfilling his purposes. So that your marriage, if you want fulfillment in your marriage, don't get caught up in your plans. Don't get caught up in your spouse. Get up, get caught up in what does God want for our marriage? Right? So fulfillment comes from fulfilling God's purposes together. And listen, one of the great things that happens is when you have a marriage that is, has a single purpose, what is the purpose of your marriage? Uh, you know, uh, raise kids. No, that's part of it. I want to talk about that a little bit next week, a lot next week. But one of the great things about having purpose in marriage is it brings together this thing called agreement. And see, agreement is important to God. In fact, Jesus prays in John 17, 21. He says, I pray that they may be one just as you and I are one. So Jesus prayed. We did a series on this last spring called When God Prays. When Jesus prayed, he prayed that we would be one as a people. How much more should our marriages be one? The two shall become one. Why? To fulfill God's purposes. But he loves that agreement. He loves it because agreement empowers us. Check this out what Psalms uh, 133 says. Agreement empowers us, listen, to fulfill his purpose. See, divided, you can't fulfill the purposes of God. It takes two to fulfill it, the two becoming one, coming in alignment with what God wants. Are you all okay? You all okay today? All right, Psalm 133 says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil being poured on the head, running down the beard. I'm, I'm sorry, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Did you know when two people come under the power of agreement, we call this synergy, when we come together, there's things that you can never accomplish alone that you can accomplish when you're together. Why? Because God created this law called synergy, and whenever you come together, he goes, I've got to bless it. And it doesn't even have to be a godly purpose. This is what's crazy. You can come to agreement on anything, even something outside of what God wants, and it will be blessed. God's commanded blessing is there. Boom, I bless this. If this happens, I bless it. And then he stepped away and said, who's going to get into agreement? So what happens is when our marriage comes into agreement, we come under the umbrella of God's blessing. So get into agreement. We, can't just, we just can't get along. What are your purposes? Usually when people can't get along, it's something like, well, I want to do this for my life, and they want to do that for their life. Well, it's not about either one of your plans. It's about God's plan for you together. Well, God called me at an early age to, a, to be a missionary. Well, God called me at an early age to, to Africa. Well, God called me at an early age to be a missionary to 
Costa Rica. Well, I pick Costa Rica, right? Come on. So what do you have to do? Well, which one are we going to do? What is it? What are you going to do? Somebody's going to have to lay it down. What is our purpose together? And go after that. Discover what it is. You all okay? Now, let me say this. The onslaught attack of the enemy against marriage, against the sanctity of marriage, is because the potential power that a married couple possesses. Listen, the enemy has been on a rant towards marriages in America and what marriage is, the definition of marriage. Why? Because that is the breakdown of a society. So he knows, the enemy knows that if he can destroy marriage, that he can take the culture with him. So this is why sanctity of marriage is a big deal. Because marriage is a sacred thing before God that God said, I will bless that. Come together. Y'all okay? So this is, there's a potential power that married people possess. So God wants to protect that. All right, Ephesians 5. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right, I'm going to read from the message today because it's a little softer. Let's just be real. It's a little softer on this. And I want to encourage you, if you really want, if you really want a healthy marriage, then spend some time on Ephesians 5. It's a great place. Read it in every translation. But I'm going to read from the message today because it's easy reading. Y'all all right? Out of respect for Christ, everybody say his purposes. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Honor one another. Wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support to Christ. Other words, honor your husband like you would honor Jesus. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does for his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Oh, Everybody talks about the heaviness of the submission part. That's a lot heavier. Go all out. Be willing to die. Lay your life down like Jesus did for your wife. Exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Husbands, this is our standard. This is our goal. Let me read that again. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. This is how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife, which is important. I mean, you know that when you got married, your primary responsibility is to your spouse, not to your parents. Your loyalty lies to the marriage, not to your parents. Husbands are like, yes, right. Because we leave and cleave a little bit better than the ladies do sometimes, right? Y'all okay? Yeah, unless you're a mama's boy. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her. 
and how each wife is to honor her husband. Yellow right today? I'm going to give you eight relationship goals. Real practical. Yellow okay? All right. This is a tough crowd today. I'm like, dude. Yeah. All right, number one. The, the first goal, the first relationship goal you need to have for your marriage, whether you're currently in it or you're going to get in it later, number one is put Christ at the center. Put Christ at the center. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? I mean, haven't you agreed by getting married that you're going to walk together, that you're going to go through the hard times, that you're going to go through the good times, that you're going to go through her struggles, that you're going to go through your struggles? How can two walk together unless they agree? If we are far apart, this is, this is the beauty. This is a, I didn't come up with this, but this has been taught many times. Do we have that little diagram there and it's in your app? So this is the way it works. If some two people say, man, she is like, we're totally different. We thought we were a lot more alike when we got married, right? And then we like started living in the same house. And then it's like, I realize that she's like way over there and I'm like way over here. Or she's like, I really love Jesus. And he's like, I really love Jesus too, but it looks totally different. Because women want men to love Jesus like they love Jesus. Whenever it looks a lot different for a woman than it does a man. Come on. Now, husbands, you need to be a little bit more, you need to be inspired by the way that she loves Jesus. Emotionally. And she's like totally obsessed with Jesus and affectionate with Jesus. You need to be more like that. And women, you need to be more solid in your love for Jesus and more devoted emotionally to Jesus, not just dreaming about how great it is. So here's the deal. Two become one by coming to Jesus. So if you're, you're way over there, if Leslie's way over there and I'm way over here, the best way for us to get closer is to draw near to Jesus. So if Jesus is at the center and we're both moving towards Jesus, then automatically we will get closer because the closer we get to Jesus, do I get a kiss? Oh, come on. That's the Lord right there. Okay, so anyway, he is faithful. Finally got a kiss after all these weeks. All right. So listen, if we are both drawing near to Jesus, we're going to get closer to Jesus. We're going to start acting more like Jesus. We're going to take his heart upon us. We're going to become like him. What's going to happen is our relationship will get closer. Can I tell you that most marriages, the issue is not a husband or a wife issue. It's a spiritual issue because they're not close enough to Jesus. And usually the wives are going, well, it's because my husband isn't spiritually minded. So what are you going to do to help that? You're going to sit there and you're going to criticize him or point at him, or are you going to say, you are a man of God. I believe in you, man of God. I'm going to follow you, man of God, because that's what he needs. Some of y'all need to quit being your husband's mama and start being his wife. Let's just stop that right there. All right. It's true. It's true. I, I should let Leslie say that, but it's true. All right. You want your family to be unified? Your family's a mess. Man, our kids are... Come to Jesus. Start investing in your kids' spirituality. You want, your, you want your kids to be on the same page? You want your family to be unified? How about y'all all go after Jesus for the same purpose, and he will bring you together. Center around at the presence of Jesus. So you need to have, we're going to talk about this next week, you need to have family prayer times, you need to get together, you need to do that. Not a little lay me down to sleep. Ask your quick kids questions. Ask one another questions. I know, it's guys, guys, listen, I understand, I understand how difficult it is. Your wife sees all your weakness and all your flaws. 
And so what happens is we're very insecure. And women, you got to understand this. We know that we're supposed to be the leader. We know that we're supposed to be the example. We know we're supposed to love like Christ loves the church, but we fall short all the time. And so what happens is we're very insecure in that leader role that God has placed us. And so what we need you to do is we need you to understand that we know that that's our job. We know that the standard's high. We're going after the standard. What we don't need is the ridicule. We don't need someone to sit here and impose a standard on us. We need someone to lift us up. We need wives that believe in us. Come on. And it will follow our lead. Some, I've had women come to me over the years and say, I'm the spiritual leader of my house. No, you're not. You might be more spiritually mature, but that does not make you the spiritual leader. Y'all okay? This is from the Bible. Some of y'all are like, well, I'm more spiritual. I've been saved. It don't matter. It don't matter. Y'all all right? Now, listen, a family that prays together stays together. We've heard that. So, men, let me tell you, it's time to man up. Start leading your wife. Get over your insecurities. Pull your big boy pants on and say, let's go to work. And let's start representing Jesus well. Let's start loving our wife well. It's time to man up and be Christ-centered. Ladies, encourage him to do that and follow his lead. Right? Being Christ-centered means this, that we've decided to live in agreement with God. That I've started to agree with what the Bible says about what God says, about what God thinks about marriage. This is what it means to be Christ-centered. The greatest tension in life occurs when we live in disagreement with God. So the tensions happen when we're not agreeing with God. Because if we're agreeing with God, we'll all be in agreement. Because, listen, you're not always going to agree. But let me tell you something about God. He's never going to change his mind. So you can agree with him or disagree with him. He's not going to change. So your job is to figure out a way to agree with God, to come into alignment with what God says. That's your job as a marriage, as a husband, as a wife, as a single person. You need to agree. Most of life's tension results because someone is living in disagreement with what God says. Let's just be real. If you're single, don't focus on Finding the right one. Now, Scripture does say this, and let me just give a word out to the ladies. Scripture says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So husbands need to be the searchers. So ladies, you don't have, you're not bait. You're not, let him find you. Don't be, you're a treasure. You're valuable. Let him find you. Let him do the work because marriage is work. And you want a man that's going to be a worker? Don't just put yourself out there. You're more valuable than that. You're not bait. So we don't all need to see, you know, what God gave you that's reserved for your husband. Let him find you, and then you can show him that in all your glory. And it'll be beautiful. Because it's made for him, too, when you're married, when you're married. So if you're single, focus on being the right one, being Christ-centered as much as you can. That is your focus. And, guys, keep your eyes open. He who finds a wife. Finds a I found a good thing. Come on. Found a good thing. So, and let, let me just say this. If you're, don't think, and this is the myth, right? 
Well, once I get married, it'll be so easy for me to focus on Jesus. That's a lie. It'll be harder for you to focus on Jesus because now all your time is devoted. You're around another person all the time. Develop your prayer closet now. Develop your devotional life now and bring that into your marriage. Well, when I get married, it'll be so easy. I'll never look at porn again. Lie, because you have a lust problem. It's not about being married or not. So if you're single, don't focus on finding the right one. Focus on being the right one, okay? Number two, but guys, keep your eyes open. I'm sure there's going to be some beautiful ladies coming to Overflow and coming to the harbor on Sunday nights that you can find there. So anyway, we're all about that. Hook them up. We need to be with godly people. Way people, people have, over the years have been critical of churches being like, well, they're like a dating service. It's like, well, I would way rather them found their spouse in church than in a club. <laughs> Come on. Let's hook them up. <laughs> all right? Let's find, find them people that love Jesus. And uh, we, we understand. We, we want to make sure that we take care. And let me just say this. If we have guys coming in here looking for the ladies, there's going to be some problems. And we, we will deal with that, the men of this house. Ain't that right, men? We protect our ladies. Come on, especially our single ladies. All right. So just know that. We got you. We got you. And ain't going to be no, I'm going to be no hairy-legged boy coming in here with bad intentions. All right. All right, number two. <laughs> All right, so number one, Christ at the center. Y'all okay today? Number two, celebrate. If you want to have a good marriage, one of the goals in a marriage needs to be to celebrate, to have fun together. That's one of the things I love about being with Leslie. Now, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's, for me, it's not always fun to have a good time. But Leslie's like good time all the time, and that brings a lot of life to our marriage. I'm, my good time turns on and off, unfortunately. But we have a lot of fun together. And, uh, you know, you have got, for some reason, when people get married, they stop dating. Hey, who you? I, I have a girlfriend. We're dating. We've been dating for uh, almost 14 years. We've been married for almost 13 years, but we've been dating for 14 years. She is my girl. Come on. She's my, how do you say, my boo? Is that, that's for a girl to say or a guy to say? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that, I'm not that cultured <laughs> or something. Uh, she's my rib. All right. So celebrate. Have fun together. Do things that you enjoy doing together. Well, we don't have any money. We, listen, you need to invest in your marriage. But it doesn't take money. It doesn't take money. Go, go for a walk. Sit, have couch dates. We do couch dates all the time. You know, get, get on the couch. Put your phone down. Get under a blanket, you know, um, with as much clothing as you would like. But have fun together. You're married. It's holy. Come on. Y'all going to get all weird when we start talking about that. All right. You know, people start having struggles in their marriage, right? I mean, we've had struggles in our marriage. You know what it says, Jesus says to the church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5? He, he tells the church this. He's like, listen, you've, you've grown away from your first love, so do the thing that you did at first. What is he doing? He's telling us the, the best way for romance, do what you did at first. So if you're having struggles in your marriage, remember, well, what were we doing at first? Well, we were dating. We were having fun together. It's always, right? You, you wouldn't have married them if you, they were never fun. Find that. Do those things if you want to have a successful marriage. So celebrate. Have fun together. Um, speaking of dating, February 11th, we'll have a date night for all the married couples. You're married or engaged. You say, we need to go out on a date. Well, we'll have free child care for you. And you can come and you can go date with a bunch of other godly people that love Jesus. And we'll go and we'll eat and we'll laugh and we'll make fun of uh, everybody but our spouse. Okay. 
Just kidding. We won't make fun of people. But we will laugh, and we'll have a lot of fun and share stories, and it'll be nice. So get in on that, free child care, all that kind of stuff. If you're single, listen, if you're single, learn to have fun. And embrace your singleness. Now, I'm not telling you go to the bars, go to the clubs. Don't do that. But hang out with godly people. Find good, godly Christian community. And have, get, it, get plugged into the harbor on Sunday nights. Get, get plugged into community. Group, hang out with people. Have fun. Laugh together. Enjoy your singleness before you have the responsibilities of marriage, before you have the responsibilities of having kids. Because that stuff's fun, but it's also a responsibility. And it's not something that you get to do anymore. It's something you have to do. So embrace that singleness. Have fun. Find godly people and allow them to encourage you. I, man, I had some, you know, before Leslie and I got married, I had a, some great friends. We'd go skiing together, and we would, you know, do all this kind of crazy stuff together. We, did, we weren't sinning, but we would have a blast. We would do all kinds of good things uh, together. So enjoy that. Number three, y'all all right? Number one, Christ in the center. Number two, celebrate. Number three, commitment. Commitment. Marriage is really a commitment. Commitment is this, 100%, 100% of the time. Welcome to being married. 100%, 100% of the time, regardless of my spouse's choice. Regardless of what my spouse is doing, I am 100% committed to the marriage. We've done a lot of marriage counseling, and people come to us and be like, well, I feel like that you're on your side. I'm not on either one of your sides. I'm for the marriage. So if you come to us complaining about your spouse, we're going to be for the marriage. We're going to be for both of you, but we're for the marriage. See, marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Compromise it's not compromise. It's all in. It's not, well, I'll give a little shake. No, no, no. It's all in. What do you want? All of me. I'm giving you everything. I'm investing 100% of me, 100% of my time for you. That's what marriage is. It's everything. Let's give everything. That you're committed to the well-being of your, your spouse, not yourself. Y'all okay? And let me say this. There is no man in marriage. There's no man in marriage. Everything is ours. That's why you should not have separate bank accounts. It's a bad idea. Why? Because then you say, well, that's my money, and that's her money. No mind in marriage. Even if you're a blended family, well, those are her kids and those are, nope. They're both your kids. They're all your kids. You married that person, everything that they have became one, one unit. Not her kids, your kids, your bank account, my bank account, my car, her car. Our car, our kids, our bank account. Welcome to commitment. All in. All right? I know it's not fun. I know it's sacrificial. But if you want a healthy marriage, that's what it's going to take. If you're single, live for your spouse now. How do I do that? Well, your spouse is out there. Live for them now. Be committed to them now. Don't have sex with other people now. That person, your spouse? No. Well, then what are you doing having sex with them? Uh, I, think, I think we're going to get married. We're, we're planning on it. What are you doing now? Well, then get married. What are, you, what are you waiting on? Let's just do it. Come on. Don't date around. Well, I'm just looking, you know, dating this girl for a while now, and this one for a while. Listen, let me tell you, that pattern does not help marriage 
Dating doesn't prepare people for marriage. It prepares as far as the dating system of dating around and dating and, 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 and you know, swiping and how, how the modern world does dating. You know, oh, check out that person and I'll go check out that person. That doesn't prepare you for marriage. That prepares you for divorce because it tells you if you don't like that relationship, just move on to the next one. Y'all okay? Some of y'all are like, oh, well, I found my, that's great, awesome. And God worked it out and he turned it around. Praise God. That doesn't mean that that's, 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 describing, not prescribing. I'm giving you the prescription, not the description. Y'all okay? So this is what we're going to do later. Even though you say, well, we met at a club and we're awesome. Praise the Lord. He got you together. Let's keep you together. Come on. All right. Y'all okay? So celebrate commitment. Number four, companionship. Your partner, your marriage partner, listen, they're your companion, not your competition. That's why you don't have to be like, well, you, you got to spend $14 this week, and I only got to spend $13 this week. And it becomes this competition, right? They're not your com- competition. They're your companion. Listen, competition corrupts the union. Because what you're saying is you're saying it's them versus me. That is not a fun way to live. Because every day you're going to wake up and you're going to strive. Every day you wake up and it's going to be a challenge. Got to win today. Lay it all down. They're your companion. You're doing this together. And let me just say this about that. They're going to, listen, there are going to be days where you got to give 120% and all they're going to give is 90. I mean, there are going to be days like that. But you don't point at those and say, well, you're not given as much as I You just got to understand that there are going to be days where it's, they're going to be hard to deal with. Let's just be real. I mean, you can ask Leslie, I'm hard to deal with. She will amen that. <laughs> the staff is like, well, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. And so, we're, listen, we're all hard to deal with, but in quality of marriage has less to do with control and more to do with understanding one another's roles. And so understanding that, you know what, to this week, she might not be able to keep the house clean if she's a stay-at-home mom and that's her role, whatever you've decided the roles are in your marriage. And you need to get your butt up and you need to do the cleaning this week. Right? So it's not so much about being demanding and equal and what are your roles? What are your roles? And you need to define those roles in your marriage and understand that they're not in competition. You're not saying, well, I did this, so you should do that. What is that? That's competition. You say, what can I do to help you do what you need to do? Your marriage will be so much better. I know my marriage will be that because I know sometimes I come home from work. You know, Leslie and I have made the sacrifices so she can be a stay-at-home mom. That works really great for us. That's not for everybody. For us, that works really good. And so she has her job that she does at home. And sometimes it's easy for me to come home and be like kind of a little bit like a tyrant, like a jerk, and come in and be like, oh, why didn't you? And so she'll just be like, listen, I need a little grace today. What my heart should be is this, to say, babe, what can I do to help you today? Not, you didn't do your end. You see how that's competition. Y'all okay? Companionship. This helping you all, some of y'all today? Okay, good. We got 13 years into this thing, you know, 13 going on 60, so um, at least. Yeah, I think we can make 60 years. All right. Well, in the sense of, like, I'll live that long is what I'm thinking. How long will I be alive? 
not very long, you know, quit acting like that. All right. All right, so number five is community. You need community. And what I mean that is you need friends. You know, Leslie and I had went through some real difficult times in 2010 in our marriage. And you know, you know a lot of it could have been, could have been helped if we would have just had friends, if it wasn't just us. Listen, I'm not talking about, you know, people that you're going clubbing with. I'm talking about real godly Christian community, people that are, that are following Jesus. And we had gotten really unhealthy because we didn't have any friends. We had friends that, you know, we were youth pastors, so we had friends that were in the youth group. I guess they were kind of friends, but it just wasn't the same. And then what God used to heal our marriage is we moved to a place in Amarillo, Texas, where we moved to a place where the community was strong. There were people that had kids our age, and we were doing life together. And this is, listen, this is why we, we promote community so much here at Overflow Church, and we talk about it so much, because we know how important it is for our lives. We know how important it is for our marriage. So it's so important that you're getting in the room with other people, that you're laughing, that you're sharing a meal together, that you're doing these kind of things. Because listen, if you don't build, if you don't take the time, I'm, our pa- Pastor Richie Brown used to say this all the time, if If you don't take the time to build the relationships when you don't need them, you won't have them when you do. And you've got to have those relationships in your life. This is why it's important for you, even though it's hard to get involved in a community group. Even if you go once a month, get in. This is why it's important to make date nights and things like that and be faithful to church because you need community around you because it will get hard and you're going to need people to champion you on. Come on. You need friends. God didn't create you to do this alone. Um, and speaking of that, community groups start this week. So another commercial. Dang, this is like a message of commercials. Number six, conversation and communication. All the ladies are like, that's right. He needs to sit down and listen to my 20,000 words a day. And guys are like, no, <laughs> I can't handle any more words. You know, um, normally I'm out of the house on Sunday mornings. I'm usually out of the house before Leslie's awake. This morning I was running a little late. And uh, Leslie came into the bathroom, and she was just like, I mean, she was going to get like 2,000 words in before I left the house. And I'm just not going to have it before 10 in the morning. Let's just be real. Like, I'm not a morning person, so I get up early usually to avoid all that. Let's just be honest. And so because, you know, my words are going to run out, and then, you know, I mean, she just wants that. But listen, we, us guys, we've got to learn to talk. It's just, I know it's hard, but we've just got to communicate. And this, you know, talking about agreement, uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, there's a story. You guys know the story of the Tower of Babel. Well, they built this tower up to God, and God saw it as idolatry, and God said, I'm gonna, you know, who, who do they think they are doing this? And then this is what God says about what they were doing, this vain thing that they were doing, something that was sinful, something that seemed impossible. They said, we're going to build this tower to God. And God said this, look, these people are united. They speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible to them. In other words, he was saying they will build a tower and they will reach heaven because they're speaking the same language. So what I've got to do as God is I've got to go down and confuse their language so that the, the power of agreement won't go forward and they'll be able to do what they're supposed to do, even something evil. So how, how important it is that we, that we communicate, that we get on the same page so that we can have com, uh, good communication and conversation. We live in a culture where we have more ways to communicate than we ever have, but the quality of our communication is the worst it's ever been. I'm blown away by how people do not know how to communicate. I'm like, can you not answer a text message? Can you not tell me that you got the message? Can you not pick up your phone? Can you not answer your Facebook message? Can you not? It's like a one-way street sometimes. I mean, you know, that's frustrating when you're trying to talk to somebody, and then you, like, look at the little thing where they read it, and they didn't respond. You're like... 
Are they mad at me? Are they frustrated? Well, because most of our communication nowadays is digital, what we need to do is put our phone down and get in one another's face, not in a bad way, and just have a conversation. So husbands, when you get home and you're wore out, wives, when you get home and you're wore out and y'all both been working all day, put your phones down, put them away, stick them on a charger, sit down and have a freaking conversation. Talk, talk with words. Have, don't text across the room. Don't just like their Facebook status. Talk to them. It's called relationship. It's how we relate to one another. Communi- check this out. Communication is 50% bo- 55% body language, 38% tone of voice, and 7% of the actual words spoken. So if the only communication that you're having with your spouse is text message, you've only communicated 7%. I, I sent you that, but do you not understand? Well, I thought you were mad at me. I get that all the time from people. They're like, I was like, hey, man, can we, can we just, I want, can, can you come into my office? I want to talk for a minute. I start freaking out. I'm like, what's, what's going on? I gotta, I'll be like, I'm not mad. just want you to understand before we go into my office, I'm not mad. I just got a couple questions to get in there. I just want to encourage you. You're doing so awesome. I swear. Oh. <laughs> right? I send the staff. The staff's like this all the time. They're like, what's, what's going on? Like, send you. We use this communication uh, app called Slack. And I'm like, hey, uh, can, we, can you get together and talk before service? They're like, oh. Uh, yeah, is everything okay? <laughs> I'm like, yes, everything's fine. Let's talk about it. So it's so funny how, how we are with, with digital communication. Listen, if you're single, learn to communicate. Learn to communicate now. Get around people. Put down your Xbox. Put down your phone. Okay? Put down your instrument, whatever it is that you're doing, and talk. Talk. Get close to one another. And have a conversation. And it's the same way with your friendships. Do the same thing. you got to learn the art of communication. Sit down and talk. This is why it's so important that you have meals together with people. Because you got to put your phone down to use a fork, right? Oh. And I'm as guilty as everybody about that part. Y'all all right? Y'all feel, do I, feel, I feel like I'm, like, I'm, I feel like I'm griping. I, I'm equipping you. I'm equipping you. I'm helping you. All right, number seven. <laughs> why is he so mad? I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Okay. 50-50 is. All right, number seven, connection. Everybody say intimacy. Intimacy. Now, we talk about intimacy. We, we all know what we're talking about. Come on. All the men are like, yeah, come on, let's talk about that. Uh, listen, if you're married, you need to be doing the married people ple- pleasurable privilege that married people get to do. Yeah, you need to wait till you're married. But when you're married, you need to be having, trying to make sure there's no, like, teenagers in the room. You need to be having lots of sex if you're married. That's what I'm saying. Listen, most marriage issues can be solved in the bedroom. So I would say that you need to be having sex at least, like, six to eight times a month. I was about to say a week, but I know that I'll be siding with the men on that. Um, But, listen, like, you need to have a healthy sex life. Most of your marriage issues, most of your struggles can be solved in the bedroom. The guys, understand this. Women are like crockpots. You, you turn the, they take a while to cook up. So I know you, I know me. We're like, hey, it's time. Let's do this. All right. Come on. They need, like, all day to know. Like, you start with little kisses in the morning. You start with little, little text messages with some flowers. Be like, hey, how you doing? You need to warm her up. 
Women understand that men are like microwaves, and men are very visual. So if, if they turned on the crock pot in the morning, you don't, you don't want them coming home to you being like in a bad mood, and you look like you just rolled out of breath, and your breath smelling like you, you know, got, ran over some dead animals or something you want to be appealing. Men are very visual. Listen, guys, women are not really, for the most part, women are not really as visual I know that it's hard for us to think. They're not really as visual. They want the romance. They want the connection, and we just want the fulfillment of what happens uh, during intercourse. All right? So, and let me also say this about women. Women, you're the guardian of your husband's purity. And if you, listen, if you are not providing his needs sexually, and his needs are sexual, very sexual, we are very sexual beings. If you're not providing his needs sexually, then he will get his needs met elsewhere, whether it's through porn I think, and God's the same way with women. They have a need to be loved. And if you're not being affectionate, is your, if your wife does not feel loved, then she's going to go to other places, even if it's a fantasy, to feel that way. And let me also say this. I learned from my friend, Pastor Chad. Don't think that if you turned the crock pot on yesterday, it turned off in the middle of the night and it's not on today. So, listen, our currency for the bedroom, if you, if you want to call it that way, it's it's day to day, guys. Like it starts over the next day. She needs to feel she's loved that day, right? Just like if you were like women, you're like, oh, you're not really sexually driven, and so y'all had sex on Tuesday, guys. She doesn't want to automatically have sex on Thursday because you want to, right? So understand that her reset happens every day, and ladies also understand that so does his. Y'all okay? We can talk about this. It's church. Sex is a holy thing. Sex is a sacred thing. And that's why God said it in this context called marriage, because it's supposed to be special, and you're only supposed to share that with one person for your entire life. Only one person supposed to see you naked. Two people, Jesus and your spouse. They're the only ones. And, and your mama when you were a baby, and they change your diaper. Right. Y'all okay? Number eight, Leslie's like, oh, he's talking about sex. Stop it. Okay, good. All right, number eight. This is the last point. I'm going to finish up here. Number eight is consideration. Everybody say consideration. Now, listen, this is the core of it, right? Being Christ-centered and consideration is this. Be considerate. Put your spouse's needs before your needs. Well, they never meet my needs. Are you meeting theirs? You need to stop thinking what their job is and start thinking about what your job is. What? It's about you. It's not about me. That's why you got into this thing. It's 100% investment in them, not 100% selfishness in you. Understand? Y'all okay? By the way, on that, on that sexual thing, for all you single people, I need to say this. Save yourself. Stop having sex with somebody you're not married to. Get control of your lust. Women get control of your fantasy issues. All that kind of stuff if you're single. You get that under control right now because you do not want immorality coming into your marriage. Y'all okay? All right. Back to consideration. Put your spouse's needs before the other. The currency in marriage is two things. Love and respect. This is the currency in marriage. For women, it's love. They want to feel loved. They want to be cherished. I like to call it uh, princesses and kings. Women want to feel like princesses. They want to be pampered. They want to be loved. They want to be shown love. They want to experience that. Guys, we're like kings. We want respect. We want to be respected. Women, this is why you never, ever, ever, ever demean your husband to someone. 
You're never like, oh, he's just, it's like they do in the commercials. <laughs> oh, he's so stupid. <laughs> Don't ever, ever. He is doing his best to be the man that he can be, and he needs you to believe in him. Now, husbands, back to this love thing. Listen, they desire to feel loved. Well, I do love her. I go and I work and I, you know, do all these things around the house. No, 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 you, you're missing it. She needs to feel loved. Not the way that you show love, the way that she feels love. Well, I'll show her love by working. Well, that's not her love language. That's not what turns her crock pot on. The way that she feels love, maybe, what is her love language? Words of affirmation. Maybe it's conversation. Maybe it's quality time. What are you doing to make sure that she feels loved? So ask your wife. Look at her right now and say, what can I do to make you feel loved? Just do that, whoever your husband wife is. We're a wife. You know, I'm a wife just thinking in your mind, what I would ask my wife. What do I do to make you feel loved? Not loved, because you know your intention, you know what you're bringing, but how does she feel? You okay? Listen, women want leadership that is loving, protected, and provided for. They want to feel valued. They want to feel cherished. Again, husbands, don't tell them how you are showing love. Tell me how she feels loved. What are you doing to ensure that she feels loved, that she feels protected, that she feels provided for? Her feelings are important. More important than your efforts. All right? And secondly, wives, men desire to feel honored and respected. This is the way that God built us. This is why you see men out of the football field because they want to have a notch on their belt. Why? Because we find value out of honor. We find value out of victory. So women, he wants to be your hero. Don't talk, don't let me talking about, you know, whoever the guy is on TV, Brad Pitt or whatever. Channing Tatum. Don't be like, "Oh, he First of all, what are you doing talking about another man like that? I've seen married women do this. They like post stuff on their Facebook. Oh, he's my, he's, if I could have an affair with one person, it's this one person. That is the stupidest, that is the, the stupidest thing that you could ever do. Oh, it's my, we, we know people like this. They're like, we have the one person, if it, we ever had a thing that we could do that with. What? Let's drive some, let's have a deliverance session and get some demons out of you is what we need to do. I'm being for real. And listen, women, don't emasculate your husband. Don't, don't belittle him. Don't make him feel stupid. Don't mother him. Never belittle him. And women, don't tell me how you're honoring him. Tell me how he feels honored. Tell me how he feels honored. So ladies, look at your husband and say, what do I do that makes you feel honored? It makes you feel respected. I mean, we should, us guys should just walk around going, I can do anything. I can do anything. I love it that I have a wife that believes in me. <laughs>